Thank you for listening to the Moral Revolution Podcast. In this session, Jason Valentin will be sharing a message entitled, Working Through Pain. Um, I'm going <clears> to <throat> share some, some stuff that's, that's close to my heart, some stuff that's happened personally, and, and um, some stuff that I've really walked through that have helped me come to this place. And it's hard because um, with a message like this, it, I, you guys don't have a context on my whole life or the whole situation. So I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and um, give you guys an opportunity to jug some important information. So handle, handle well, handle carefully. About February of last year, actually I should probably say about de- December of last year, October, November, December of last year, I went through a really hard time in my life. Uh, I, at that point, it, w- it wasn't just personally with me, but um, I, I had a, a couple close family members go through some really hard stuff, um, really, really tragic, hard stuff that I'm not, I'm not going to share all of that entirely because it doesn't really have much to do with me, besides the fact that at that point in my life, my world really got flipped upside down. And um, how many of you know, in a moment's time, sometimes things can flip? Um, and that's really, honestly, that's what happened, is it felt like in a moment's time, I had two really close family members that their life literally flipped upside down, and some, some pretty desperate measures. And so, you know, from October to about February, I spent a lot of time pouring into those family members and really contending for some breakthrough in their life. It was a really hard season, and right before that season had started, I had asked God, Lord, would you help me get the character of George Washington? Now, I don't, I'm not talking about that tonight, but I thought I'd throw it in there because there is some relevance to that, which George Washington is a hero of mine. But <clears throat> I prayed a very dangerous prayer, and um, God answered in some ways. And I don't think that he caused that, but I think that he had prepared my heart for what was about to happen. Does that make sense? And um, I don't think it's by coincidence that I had that focus, and then, boom, I'm in this situation. So I'd spent um, several months pouring into my family members and praying a lot, spending a lot of time on the phone. Um, Counseling is one of the main things that I do here on staff. I probably spend uh, 70 to 60 to 70 percent of my time counseling people, and um, was doing that a lot and contending. And in about February, I realized that my marriage was in trouble. Again, it felt like there was a major disconnection that was happening that I could feel um, that I had noticed one day and it wasn't going away. Does that make sense? I didn't know it, but it was, it was about to be the toughest ride of my life. Um, I spent from about February to May realizing that the thing I cared most about I had no power to fix and no power to control. When everything was said and done, it it didn't work out how I wanted it to. Does that make sense? I guess I should say this. Everything that I share tonight, you know, I've I've asked my ex-wife if I could share and have permission to share and so I'm not going to give you any information that I wouldn't share if she wasn't sitting in the front row. Does that make sense? And so um, I really want to, my, my heart in this whole thing isn't to go, um, look at what happened to me. My heart is to go, hey, take a look at what happened 
and this is how we work through it. Part of my heart is, if you know me at all, I'm the type of person that I'm an open book. I have no secrets in my life. Honestly, there's not one thing in my life that uh, somebody doesn't know about. And I really feel like my life is an open book for people to see so that you can learn. Does that make sense? Sorry, I'm trying to work through the awkwardness of going, hey, here's my life with the balance of nobody knows me, and this is a really touchy subject in the church. But I don't think that it should be a shameful thing, and I don't think that it's something that we should hide. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so bear with me. You know, I found out in February that my marriage was going downhill. It wasn't getting better. The more I poured into it, the more I tried to make it better, the worse it got. And the further and further and further away um, she got from me. You know, the long story short is, you know, there's unfaithfulness in the marriage, and that's not something that I can change. Does that make sense? And from that point on, before that happened, you know, God had been preparing my heart. And he had been preparing my heart by what I said before, you know, I'd been going through this process of going, Lord, this is the the man that I want to be. This is the man that you've called me to. This is the man that I want to be. And God, what is the path to that? And so I'd been on this journey and then boom, I'm right in the middle of, you know, I have two close family members that are literally going through hell and my marriage is falling apart, totally falling apart. I have three kids. Uh, nine, seven, and four, which, um, you know, to be honest with you, my fear wasn't for me. I didn't have this thing that said, what am I going to do with my life if this whole thing blows apart? Um, for me, it was, it's a big deal in the sense that marriage is a huge commitment, huge life commitment, but I'm not afraid for my life. I have control of my life. I don't have a a whole lot of control of my kid's life. Does that make sense? You know, it's that whole deal where God guides us with his eye. God doesn't even take us and go, I'm going to control your life. He doesn't. And the same is true with us and our kids. If you think that you have control of them, it's a myth. (laughs) You have influence and you have a heart-to-heart connection. That's what you have. So it's a really, really, really scary place to be. Some of you have been in this place. You know, I just started down this path of, God, what is happening to my life? I don't know if you've ever woken up and realized that your life is totally, completely out of control, and you have done very little to cause that. Maybe some of you have done a lot to cause it. it really doesn't matter. the The main point is, is is that's where I was. That's where I found myself. I'm in. I'm in the middle of the worst thing that I could imagine happening, um, at the worst time in my family's life, and I I have to figure out how to navigate through this time in my life. There's something that happens when you go through a time like this, is you either swim or you die. Does that make sense? There's not a lot of middle ground because everywhere I turned, there was no easy decision. If I run away, I have to face it at some point. If I stay, I'm going to walk through hell. So for me, at the beginning of this process, I had to figure out a couple things. The main thing that I had to figure out was who am I? Who am I going to be? 
Who am I going to be in this process? They say that adversity shows a man to himself. I started going through this process. I, I was meeting with Danny Silk a lot. He's a spiritual father of mine, and I'd been pounding down his door for weeks, uh, months by this time. Um, when I found out, uh, you know, the whole, the whole process of everything. And I started going through this process of who am I? Who am I going to be? And, and really answering this question will really decide the events that happen that play out in your life. Who are you going to be? You know, when I start asking that question, I start to think, what does it mean to be a man? Well, a man, the definition to me, the definition of a man is a man brings strength into every environment that he comes into. Not, not every environment that you want to be in, but every situation that you find yourself in, a man brings strength. And so I started to go, what is my role in this? Who am I going to be in this? See, I have no control over her. I have no control over my kids, but I do have influence. And I do have a role. And so I thought to myself, listen, if a man brings strength into every environment, then I have to find a way to bring strength into this environment. It's my responsibility. You know, being in pain doesn't give me permission to cause other people pain. It doesn't. So I started to go, okay, if a man brings strength into every environment then what is my goal in going through this? I don't know if you guys think like this, but sometimes when you're dealing with a lot of pain, it's really hard to think logically. I don't know if you've ever been punched in the face or in a car accident. The first thing that you realize is, I'm not thinking straight. I know that I'm not thinking straight. If you've ever been knocked out, when you wake up, you are not thinking straight. That is, kind of, that is like the condition that you're in when you're in this much pain. I'm not thinking straight. And so I kind of set some guidelines at first when, it, when this first started of how is this going to play out? Let's look at the end result. Like in a perfect world, let's look at the end result. And I just started from there. What do I want this to play out? Not, not what do I want to do with today? So I began to look at what do I want at the end of this? Well, I want justice. Amen? Anybody else want justice? We're created for justice. And so, you know, if you watch the first part of a movie and you see somebody get killed, even if you've seen that movie before, you watch a murder, chances are you'll sit down and watch the whole thing. Why? Because we have this justice meter inside of us that goes, that was wrong, I want justice for that. That makes sense? And so I, I started going, hey, I want justice for what happened to me. Well, how am I going to get justice out of this? To me, Because to me, there's no justice in a broken life. So if I'm somebody who brings strength to every environment that I'm in, and there's no justice in a broken life, then I don't win by, by hurting anybody. I don't win by retaliation. I don't win by blame shifting. The only way that I win is for wholeness to come. To me, that's justice. When the kingdom of God comes into a situation, justice has been served. Why? Because we, we now have what Christ paid for. <clears throat> I'm just laying a foundation. We're going to get into some how to work through pain and stuff. But it's really important that you catch the first part of this because this is the mindset for, hey, 
you know, and not everyone went through a divorce. Some of you, every person in this room, if you're sitting in the seat, you've gone through pain. And uh, some of you have caused it. Some of you haven't caused it. But every person's been through pain. You know, they say one out of four women have been abused. That's just a, a random statistic. So, and there's a hundred of those like that. So, you know, it doesn't matter what's happened in your life. Pain is pain. And you get a choice on who you're going to be and what's going to happen. See, a lot of people, when, when pain happens to them, they begin to get bitter. And for me, I have a lot of people go, why, why aren't you bitter? How come you can have a, a good relationship with your ex-wife? How come you can have a good relationship with her baby? Things like that. To me, I settled it right up front. Um, I remember sitting in Danny Silk's office and having this conversation with him because I was really scared. And what do scared people want to do? They want either run or they want control. Those are the two things. And Danny said, hey, you have to come to a place where you know that you're going to be okay no matter what anybody else in your life does. And I, remember, I, could, I could tell you the exact day that I came to that place. Now, see, I thought I was at that place before, but I wasn't. I had thought a long time ago that, Lord, I'm, it's, it's all yours, God, do whatever you want. You know, I've settled that in my heart. But I realized that in that time when my world is falling apart, my family members are unable to help me, a lot of them, we're actually relying on my help, and I'm drowning, that I'm a little bit more afraid than I thought I was, than I thought I would be. And I remember the day that I actually processed through and worked through, God, I'm going to be okay no matter what happens. And it wasn't something that was in my head. It was something that I had settled in my heart. And it was at that time that I was able to go, hey, you know what? I don't have to be bitter. Why? Because you don't control my future. Your poor decisions aren't going to ruin my life. Your poor decisions aren't going to ruin my family's life. See, I think a lot of times people skip that and they put somebody or something in the place of God. And then when that thing goes away, guess what? Your whole future went away. And so I spent my whole life being bitter at the person who, what, stole my future. Which, whose fault is that? Well, that would be my fault if I gave someone enough power to steal my future. Does that make sense? Here's another reason why bitterness happens, is bitterness is a way that we get justice, or at least we think that we do. Is if I hold unforgiveness towards you, I am somehow punishing you. But really, they go on with their life, and you're the one that's dying. See, the, the really, really the only justice that you will ever get is the justice that God gets for you. At least you have to be okay with that. I mean, that's what I had to come to in my heart is, all right, Lord, the best that I can do is give this to you and, and trust and fully know that you're going to work this out. 
that no matter what hand I give you, you're going to turn it around. Um, we're going to talk about the process of, of working through pain. Everybody say working through pain. You know, running from pain is really, uh, it's really a facade. I had a guy in my office the other day, and we were talking, and his whole world's really, you know, at that time was really blowing up. He was like, ah, I'd like to just leave, you know, I'd like to just go somewhere else. If I wasn't tied to here, I'd be somewhere else right now. And I said, hey, you know, the only problem with that is that you're taking you with you. And we all laugh, but, you know, that's the truth, is that when, when you're hurting on the inside, you can go wherever you want, you still have you to work through. Does that make sense? And for me, <clears throat> the first part of this is I, I realize that I have to work through this pain that's in my life. It doesn't matter if I caused it or not. That's irrelevant. The thing is, is I'm hurting, I'm hurting. And I had to come to a point in my life where I went, I'm going to actually have to face this. Running from this isn't going to make it go away. I get a lot of people um, who, who think that time is going to heal stuff. To me, time makes you forget why you are the way that you are. If time healed, people in prisons would be the most whole people in, in the planet. It's true. Time doesn't heal. Time is a revealer. Want to see what's in your heart? Just watch the fruit that comes out in time. Does that make sense? So really, there are no easy roads. That's the good news. <laughs> it's the good news. The good news is that there, there no, it doesn't matter where you turn. You're going to have to walk through it at some point. I think it's important to, when you, when you start this process of, all right, I'm going to face this stuff, I'm going to turn and look at this stuff. Some of you have been in a lot of pain for a long time. Maybe you've been in it so long that you can't feel it. You're numb. You're actually numb to it. And, and when you start to turn around, that's scary. When you decide, hey, I'm going to take a look at this at my life, that's a very intimidating, intimidating place. And a lot of people have shut off a lot of good tools that the Lord has given us to actually process through pain. You know, I just want to read a couple Bible scriptures that help you when you're going, okay, I'm, going to, I'm actually going to face my stuff or I'm going to face what's happened to me. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Blessed, everybody say blessed, blessed. are those who mourn for they will be comforted. To me, that says, what happens if you have pain in your life and you don't mourn through it? There's no comfort for your soul. I have, um, I have a really close friend who got hurt when he was in high school. He's now uh, in his late 40s. His sweetheart, you know, broke his heart. And um, from that day forward, he has spent his life hiding from people actually lives in a very small town, um, lives alone, works uh, washing dishes, and has isolated himself for the rest of his life because of something that he didn't mourn. It's really sad, honestly. 
when I look at a lot of um, the condition of youth in our nation, um, doing drugs and, you know, sleeping around and what is all that stuff? Why? What is the purpose of that? I mean, what does a drug do? It disconnects you from reality. What does sex do? It disconnects you from reality. It's a filler. But somewhere, um, when we're young or when maybe you're older, we get, this, we get this idea that mourning or crying through the pain that's happened in our life is not okay. It looks something like this. You get hurt as a kid, and your parents go, walk it off. Stop crying. I'll give you something to cry about. You want to cry? I'll give you something to cry about. I had a kid in my office this year. He's uh, in his early 20s, and he decided at five years old that he was going to shut himself totally off, that he wasn't going to feel pain. He's 20 years old. He actually decided that he was going to be a dead man walking because dead people don't feel anything. He said the only people that are, don't get hurt are dead people and people in heaven. So if you went up to him and tried to, to beat him up physically, he wouldn't protect himself because people that protect themselves have something that's worth something. And if you have something that's valuable, you have something to lose. And if you lose something, you have pain. Five years old. You know, you can imagine the events that took place from zero to five to get you to a place at five years old, you realize, I don't want to feel. Which, by the way, God has an answer for that. That kid totally got completely free and is in touch with his emotions. But what's the point? Is I, I find that a lot of people have a misconception of what's okay and what's not okay for dealing with pain. And if you, if you don't let yourself mourn a loss, uh, work through pain, you will not get free of it. You will live with the effects of something that happened years ago. And, and that will taint you the rest of your life. The lens that you see the world through will never get clean because of an effect that happened years ago. Does that make sense? I think, you know, what you believe to be true, what you believe to be true about the process of working through this will decide what you get out of it and what happens to you in the end. Um, for me, I loved the process. And you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I'm going to let you into my world a little bit. I actually loved the process. Uh, I didn't like the fact that I had pain, but the fact that I did have pain, to me, the process was what was healing me. And because I loved it, I didn't run from it. Um, I can remember laying right up there on the, on the carpet during school ministry. It was a Friday, and um, was, school had just started. And a thought came to my head that I hadn't had before. And this thought that popped in my head was my wedding day. Now, how many know that when you're going through divorce, your wedding day is no longer a happy day? It's not. It's a very sad day. Why? Because I don't share that moment with somebody that's committed to me anymore. And as that thought came to my mind, I began to cry really hard. And for me, instantly, I thought, I got to go home. Why do I have to go home? Because I don't want to lose this thought. 
Because at some point, I'm going to have to work through this thought. And to me, I, I looked at every thought that carried some type of emotion as something that was welcomed and invited. Why? Because the only way that I'm going to become whole in this process is if I walk through every single one of those. Having kids, your honeymoon, what am I going to do when another guy comes into the scene? What am I going to do if my kids want to stay with her and not with me? I'm just trying to be honest so you guys understand. Like, hey, those things you can't hide from. There's, there is no hiding from that. There's no escaping that. It'll affect me one way or another. And so I started down this process of those are welcome in my life. And what would I do? I would grab that. I remember calling Dan. I went up into my office. Do you remember this? <clears throat> and I said, hey, I, I got to go. I, I can't. I'm a mess. And he came up into my office and sat with me. And I just said, man, I just had this thought, and I'm crying, of my wedding day. And I don't know what to do with this thought, but I know that I've got to work through it. And he said, yeah, go home. But to me, you know, a lot of us carry these things that we've either hidden, time has made you forget, or that you can remember that have never gone away. And the only way to, to, the only reason why I can sit up here and talk about it and not be a mess is because I work through that. I actually went home and I cried. And I just cried until it was done. And you go, how do you know when it's done? I didn't cry anymore. I could stand up here and share it, and I'm not a broken mess. That make sense? I, to me, that's a huge, huge key. I think if you miss that key right there, that is one of the main things to becoming a whole person, <clears throat> is actually inviting and opening up the doors to allow yourself to feel pain. Allowing yourself to feel hurtful thoughts. That is totally against human nature. I don't know if you've no, noticed that. It's totally against our nature to go, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, brain, and hurt me. Now that I've gone through this, I have a lot of people that come up and go, hey, I've, I'm going through this or whatever, and, and um, what do I do? And um, I have people that I go, hey, you need to be ready for her to date somebody else. And they're like, I hate you right now. I hate that you said that. And they'll actually leave angry at me. Like, what do you mean? Why are you saying that? Why are you trying to hurt me? I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to let you look at reality. The reality that you're going to see somebody or something or, and it carries over. I just, I'm sharing my experience of divorce, but it carries over into, I can't tell you how many people I've had in my office that have parents that are dysfunctional. Who's, sorry, I'm serious, whose parents won't ever be um, what they need them to be. And that's reality, at least until God does something to them. But as far as what it looks, mom and dad won't be what they need to be. Okay, listen, that is a tough reality. But if you don't face that, that pain will follow you everywhere you go. And I'll have an expectation on that relationship that continues to bring me hopelessness and continues to bring me pain until I stop and face the fact that my mom and dad won't be everything that I need them to be, won't be able to love me, 
won't be able to fill up my love language. Is this hitting home to anybody? What am I saying? I'm saying this. Run all you want. You won't escape it. But allow yourself to turn and start facing the reality that's in front of you that I, I have something that I get to work through. And every time I work through stuff, I become a whole person. I become wholer and wholer. You know, when I find things in my life that need work, to me, that's not a sad day. How many of you know if, if the, the deal with my marriage, if it would have been 90% my fault, I wouldn't have been bummed out. I have 90% control over what happens. When you find something in your life that needs work, that's not a bad day. Listen, this is probably the best you've ever been. You fix one more thing in your life and you're even better. But if you don't have that mindset, you spend most of your time running away from stuff and hiding and dodging it and go, oh, don't bring this up. I I hate hanging around those people because they always bring up my stuff. Why do you always got to bring that up? We dodge stuff because we feel powerless. And when you run from pain, you actually create pain. I have a friend of mine who, um, so funny, she goes, I don't want to get married. I go, really? You don't ever want to get married? No, I don't ever want to get married. Why is that? Well, because every marriage I've seen that I know of is either bad or it's failed. And I don't want to do that. I'm like, wow, so what are you going to do? Well, I'm just going to live with somebody. <laughs> oh, that's not going to co- create pain. Here, give somebody your whole heart without a covenant, without commitment. What's happened? Somewhere in the process, she made a vow that I won't be like that, I won't be hurt. And because I'm trying to avoid pain because I'm afraid of it, I'm actually what? Going to create it. So I said, hey, there is no way that you're not going to be in pain. And I don't have to have to be a prophet to tell you that. Because you're fully willing to give your heart to somebody that has no commitment to you. No lifelong commitment to you. Which, why would I live with somebody? Oh, if I don't like you, I can just, if you don't comply, I'm out of here. Does this make sense at all? See, when we don't face stuff, the very thing that we're afraid of, we actually create later on. Uh, My friend that I told you about who isolated himself and lives in a very small town, how many of you know that he has more pain than he ever had if he would have turned and faced that? Why? Because now he's in his late 40s. No one in this world almost cares about him. Why? Because he has created no sense of family. He's disconnected himself from everybody. And, And so fights suicidal thoughts. Why? Because... He's not a part of anything. And that's painful. So then what happens? Well, if, if you didn't face the other one, you'll, you probably won't face this one. So then you probably turn to alcoholism or drugs, right? I'm just saying that per, it just perpetuates to, well, now when I turn to alcohol to get rid of this pain, it just continues down that road until either I get so miserable that I change or... Uh, you know, uh, the end result. Who knows where that stops? But um, painful thoughts are healing thoughts. That's how I looked at it. To me, 
If I had a thought that came into my mind that was painful, that was something that was going to help heal me. They say the, <laughs> the very thing that uh, hurt you is the very thing that helps to make you better. You get hurt in community, you also get healed in community. You have a thought that hurts you, you also get better by working through that thought. Get out what's inside. I started this process where um, I, I began to play the guitar. I, didn't, I had started learning the guitar about a month before this all happened. I just thought, hey, I'm going to learn the guitar and add some spice to my marriage and do that whole deal, you know. And um, <clears throat> ended up, I used the guitar to process. And I realized that the guitar, for me, was a way that I got to get out what was going on inside in a very practical way. Um, I was in a men's purity group the other day, and there was a speaker that we're listening to, and he said, um, if somebody can't read your journal, and if somebody reads your journal and doesn't question your Christianity, like, um, because it's so honest and raw and oh, scary, then you're probably not journaling right in those times of pain. And I find that to be true. Um, A lot of times is that when I worked through, when I worked through this whole process, I didn't go before God and go, oh Lord, I know I'm going to be okay and you're always good. Okay, that wasn't really what was in my heart, was it? What's in my heart? I've been so robbed. I've been so cheated. This is disgusting. You can imagine. And and so those are the things that I want to go, blah. Like if some of you read my journal, I'd probably be embarrassed that I even wrote that. And and that's the truth. But what happens is if I filter what's really going on inside of me, I don't actually get out what needs to get out. I do this thing in counseling where... Um, I believe that in order to help change your lens, that you have to get into, almost into your subconscious to see what you really believe to be is true. And so I'll have somebody sit down. I had a couple uh, this year that they were, ha- they were a really awesome couple in the church. And, and um, you know, most everyone would go, wow, that's a, those people are solid. They're never going to make a mistake in this dating relationship. They're going to be good. Come to find out that they both had a really hard time with self-control, which means they ended up sleeping together a couple times. And so I got him into my office, and um, one at a time, and I sat him down. I just said, hey, I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to close your eyes. First thing that comes to your mind, I want you to tell me. So he goes, okay, you know. And everybody's kind of nervous at first. because, goes, oh, my gosh, what's going to come out? And I said, um, Holy Spirit, will you show him what he believes to be true about what women want. And remember, you have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. And he goes, ah, opens his eyes. I know that's not true. And I said, okay, well, why don't you tell me what it was that's not true? I believe that women want sex, which obviously I'm not shocked because I'd done that a million times. And he said, that's what came to my mind. And I said, Holy Spirit, will you show him where he learned that women want sex. And he said, when I was 13 years old, I got into a relationship with a woman that was older than me, and that's what happened, is she wanted that. So, you know, we worked through that. So I bring her in, and had her close her eyes, and I said, Holy Spirit, will you show her what she believes to be true about what, what men want? First thing that pops in her mind, guess what it was? Men want sex. 
Where'd you learn that? Uh, she was never in a relationship with someone, never in a committed relationship, but she used to go to parties and sleep with a bunch of people in order to feel validated as a person. So you have two people that totally love Jesus, are 100% committed to him, have actually laid their life down for the Lord, that what? In their subconscious, they to- believe things that are totally untrue, but are really true to them. And so I have to use all kinds of boundaries in my life to protect myself from you because I have this thing that's going on that I'm not even fully aware of that's driving me. Is this making any sense? And what happened? What happened? Somewhere along the way, they went, I can't, I'm a Christian. I can't believe this. This can't be true. And I'm not, I'm going to shut this off. I'm going to shut off what's really going on inside of me. And just because uh, you've shut that off doesn't mean that that's that you see the world perfectly. Just because I'm numb to pain doesn't mean I don't have pain, or that I don't have something wrong. God actually created pain. God actually used pain. I, if you break your leg, pain is there for a reason. To do what? To make you go, oh, my leg's broken. I probably shouldn't run on it. Why? What happens if you run on a broken leg? you'll get permanent damage. You'll permanently damage your leg for the rest of your life. What happens if you violate pain in your life? You will, it begins to permanently damage the way you see the world. So what am I saying? When you sit down to process through what's in your heart, you gotta let it out. And letting out, I believe that women want sex in order to be happy is a very scary thing to have jump out of your mouth. Am I scaring some of you? Oh my gosh. Listen, if you don't process through that and actually let what's in your heart come out, see, we think that somehow if we don't say it, that God doesn't see it in there. But he lives in our heart, hello. And he's going, hey, would you get this thing out because it's in my space. That makes sense? So what happens? I begin to play my guitar. I close my eyes and I, you know, and I start crying because I'm thinking about this and I'm just singing this song. I'm singing on my honeymoon. I'm singing about our life. I'm singing about what I had. I'm singing about what I should have. I'm singing about how I feel. Amen. Is this real enough? I'm singing, hearing things fly out of my mouth that I have never said before that I would not be proud to say in here, but that God wasn't ashamed of. And I'm not ashamed of that. To me, it's not, it's not a commentary on my character. It's something that is leaving me that I'm trading what? Lord, take this. God, take this. I, I don't know what to do with this. You take it. I'm going to do the great exchange right here. I'm going to actually sing what's in my heart. And when I'm done with this, I don't feel that way anymore. But if I bottle it up inside, it's only a matter of time before I explode. You can't carry toxic waste inside of you and not have it killing you. You just can't. You can fake it all you want, but you're dying. You just won't be able to live. And I just find people have such a hard time being real. 
because they're so afraid, one, to be judged, or they're really afraid that God's going to think something of them if they actually go, no, this is how I really feel. And it's not a license to go out and cuss. It's not a license to say a whole bunch of hurtful things to people. It's not. It's just permission to go be by yourself and go, God, this is really how I feel. If you read the Psalms, a lot of that in there is David going, this is how I feel. Lord, I'm even upset at you. I actually feel like you ripped me off. If you've ever done sozos, you know, you have people that have to actually go, I forgive God. You're like, oh my gosh, like God's ever sinned. No, he hasn't. But they actually need that. I forgive you, God. Why? That was their reality. When I was, uh, I would spend probably, oh my gosh, at first I'd spend about five or six or seven hours in my room alone every day. And um, when I'm processing, I'm just going to help, I'm going to give you guys some practical stuff on like, okay, how do I actually process? For me, this is what it looked like. I'd spend about five hours a day in my room with a really, really sad song on. I know everybody go, oh my gosh. And I would write. I would just write. I would write for hours. To me, I would just write until I was done, you know, and the next day I would do the same thing. But I had some boundaries on it. And a lot of you will have to, you know, process according to how how you feel and to me, the boundaries were, if I got to hopelessness, way before I got to hopelessness, I had to stop. And for me, I didn't, personally, I didn't do five minutes of depression or hopelessness in this whole journey. Why? For me, because I had settled that at, at the very beginning. See, God has control of my future. That was already settled. And if you get to hopelessness, you're believing a lie. And you got to go back to, God, you have control of my future. Does that make sense? But I had a lot of people saying, oh, you just need to put on worship music and you need to praise the Lord. Listen, I wasn't in the mode of praise the Lord. I was in the mode of mourn with those who mourn. I wasn't going to laugh it away. It's not something that I'm going to laugh away. To me, I felt like this is the one opportunity that I have that I'm going to get to work through something like this. And so I spent lots of time in my room listening to sad music. And why? Because that helped me connect to these thoughts that I had to work through in order to get well. A happy worship song didn't bring up the, hey, you're not going to spend another night in this bed with her. Does that make sense? I have a really hard time connecting with that thought when, it, when I'm singing, praise the Lord, oh my soul, praise the Lord. I'm just having the hardest time connecting to stuff that I actually have to work through. Does that make sense? I mean, let's get practical. If you're trying to connect to stuff and work through stuff, you've got to be in the mode. And so actually getting into, okay, this is a really hard time. Um, when I was emotionally tired, I didn't process. When I, when I got really emotionally tired, that's when I stopped and I went and hung out with friends. So why? I needed to be refilled. You can't process all the time. You can't. You'll get to depression. Uh, your body isn't physically made to process all the time. 
And so I would spend four or five hours a day, depending on how I was emotionally, listening to sad songs and writing and crying and working out a thought. And then I would go and I'd hang out with my friends and we'd go jet skiing and I'd laugh and I would do the whole praise the Lord thing. And then what? I would know that I'm going to come back the next day and I'm going to work through all the stuff that comes up in my life. That makes sense? And I would do that process. And how do I know when I'm done? When I sit down, I play a sad song and I'm not working through any thoughts. I'm just listening to a sad song. When I could think of a scary thought of, you know, she has a boyfriend. So when her boyfriend comes and gets my kids, how many of you know that was a thought I had to work through? Like, oh my gosh, I actually have to let somebody else love my kids. That feels scary at first. And that was something that really set me off at first. Is like, gosh, what am I going to do with that? And the reason why I bring it up is, listen, these, this is reality. Like, these things are reality. I'm not going to run away from that. And I'm not going to hate her because of it. How many of you have ever made a mistake in your life? You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to live a perfect life. And, you know, between, just so you guys know, between her and I, like, this is something that that she would not have done if, if, um, knowing what she knows now. Guys ever make a big mistake, you know? So, it's just the reality of where it is now. Does that make sense? And um, her and I have a great relationship, great relationship with, she has a great relationship with kids and that whole deal. But, it doesn't take away the fact that I still have to work through this stuff. Um, to me, one of the, the last things that we'll talk about is um, from the very beginning, knowing that I'm not thinking straight because I'm in a lot of pain, I had to have a, a safety net, some way to be able to go, I know that I'm making good decisions. Because how many of you know, not making good decisions is not an option. It's just not an option. So I began to, to pull on the people around me. Um, I began to surround myself with, you know, Danny and, and my dad and Pastor Dan and the people around me that I knew that were making really good decisions. So if I wrote a letter that I was going to send to her, guess what I did with it before I sent it? I sent it to somebody else. And then I would wait. So I wouldn't let my emotion go, oh, you just need to send it to her right now. Because that thing's screaming inside of you. Why? Because I'm in a ton of pain. So, yeah, I, I remember I wrote this, like, four-page letter, and I sent it to Danny, and I was like, oh, I'm going to fire this off to her, you know? And he sends me back this response that says, this is all it said, wow, sounds like you're in pain. We'll have something to talk about next time we see each other. Love, Danny. <laughs> like, ah. But for me, that's all I needed to do with it. I just needed, what was I doing? I was just being able to spit out what I really felt and send it to somebody and then go, uh, like today standing up here, I have no feeling that I need to send that letter. None at all. Not at all. I don't feel like, oh, I wish I would have sent that one. That would have caused a lot of pain. That would have been really dumb. And that would have, you know, to me, the only one, the ones who are really going to pay for this is my kids. They're the ones that are really going to pay, uh, if anybody's going to pay. Does that make sense? And they're the ones that really get ripped off 
in the end. And so to me, from the very beginning, is you have to go, hey, what is my role in what I'm working through? What does it mean to be a man or a woman? And, and what, what does God want at the end of this? Well, God wants the reconciliation of a life. So when it first happened, I, I wrote a letter to her that was all about uh, love and hope and reconciliation. And, and to anybody that was involved, I began to just go, hey, how can I help bring love? How can I help bring peace? How can I help bring reconciliation? And some of you will have to do that in your life of going like, hey, I've spent a lot of time doing the opposite. Maybe I need to sow some love into this. And not let emotion tell you what to do. Not let your sense of justice or feeling ripped off make decisions for you. But you have to begin to make decisions based upon what do I want the outcome of this to be? Well, I want my kids to be whole. I want her to have an awesome life. I want to have an awesome life. I want my wife to be able to come in and go, wow, you did an awesome job. I really trust you. And so you have to make decisions based upon those types of things. Does that make sense? So I begin to pull community into my life and give them access. Hey, in the very scariest time of my life, don't run away. In the hardest time of your life, don't isolate yourself from people. To me, that is one of the biggest mistakes that people make. They get in a lot of pain and they go isolate themselves. And they begin to hide. Even if you're the one that caused it. Everybody makes mistakes. And God doesn't say mourn with those who mourn if they didn't cause it. That makes sense? So it's like, hey, how are people going to get whole in the body of Christ if we, if we isolate somebody or you know, push somebody away that's made a mistake? Well, if it's really cost somebody, no. I mean, you know, either we believe in what the cross has done for us or we don't. And that's the truth of it. So for me, beginning to pull people into my life and go, hey, I know that I'm not thinking straight. What's the first thing that I want to fill as soon as, uh, you know, you go through a divorce? You have this huge hole in your heart that goes, you're not laying next to somebody. What are you going to do about that? Now, I spent, you know, 10 years of my life doing that. And you begin to have these places that go, hey, you need to fill this. Hey, you need to fill that. And it carries over into every area of your life, you know it doesn't, if you've lost a job, whatever, you have these areas that go, hey, you got your identity from your work. You need to fill that with something else. And you, if you're not careful, you begin to put something in that spot. But I had, I had to consciously, I had people around me that go, hey, you need to watch out for this, this, and this. All right, because you're not thinking straight. You got to be careful of these things. The, you know, how much you connect to somebody. What you do here, is this helping anybody tonight? And I begin to invite people into my life to go, hey, help me work through this process so that when I come out to the end of it, I'm not dragging my baggage into another marriage. I'm not dragging my baggage into how I talk to my kids today or into any other relationship. I don't look at a woman and go, oh my gosh, I want to run away from you because I'm scared of what happened to me before. And the only way that you can do that is when you work through the stuff that, that's actually in your life all the way through. Does that make sense? Um, and to me, the last part is to be able to forgive, which should happen right away. But I think, you know, anytime that you haven't forgive, again, you're in the area of bitterness. And that's a place that you're trying to control. 
And that's a place that, that will ultimately lead you into, into death, you know, into darkness. Because you desperately need forgiveness as much as anybody else. And you'll get the measure that you give out. And um, how many of you know the hardest person to forgive is yourself? It's really easy to let somebody else off the hook. It's very hard to let yourself off the hook. And I'm sure that um, there, there are a lot of people in this room that are like, yeah, I could totally let somebody else off the hook, but uh, you didn't see what I did. In order to, to get to complete wholeness and to be what God has called you to be in this life, you've got to walk all the way out, forgiveness even for yourself. Yeah, why don't you guys close your eyes? I'm just going to close with this. I really feel like um, I had a grace on my life to go through this season. I know that when this first started in my life, I felt um, I felt so empowered and so much peace from God, and I know that that, that wasn't that wasn't just something that was that I had conjured up. I know that that was uh, grace from God. And so, there, you know, I feel like um, there are a, lo- a lot of people in this room who are in that spot or who have ran from that spot, and you're going, okay, i got to turn around and face this stuff. I'm just going to ask that God would give you the same grace that I had. So, Father, I ask, Lord, that each person in this room, God, that's going through what I've been through as far as dealing with pain and working through heartache, Lord, that you would do in them what you did for me. God, that you would give them grace to work through the areas of their life, to forgive. Lord, courage to believe what your word says. Courage to walk out the truth. God, I ask that you give them courage to be honest. Father, I ask that the, uh, the people that have isolated themselves, Lord, that you would bring them into a family. Lord, the people that have pushed everyone away, God, that you'd begin to rally people around them that would love them back to health and freedom. We hope you have enjoyed this session. For more information, please visit our website at www.moralrevolution.com.